Welcome to the Level Up Podcast, brought to you by Century 21, the Harrelson Group, featuring masterminds with real estate leaders, coaches, and influencers, plus eye-opening strategy sessions with up-and-coming agents. You'll learn exactly how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And now, let's get to the latest episode of Level Up. What is up, everybody? It's Matt Johnson. We are back with another episode of Level Up Podcast, where you learn how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And we have a killer episode for you today, if the pre-show is any indication. Uh, And hopefully, this will be of great help to a lot of people, because what we're talking about is really how to break through. If there's a ceiling that you feel like you've hit in your your business, whether it's a number of deals, it's a, a certain amount of volume, whatever that ceiling might be, we're really gonna talk through the the process of how do you identify what's holding you back so that you can address it, develop the weakness and break through into that next level. We're also gonna talk a a little bit about prospecting and mindset and we'll probably talk about that up front because both of these guys have a deep background in that. So first of all, Greg Harrelson, just wanna welcome you to the show. Thank you so much, excited as as usual. And and you're right, we had a great conversation uh, with Michael on the the pre-show and uh, Excited to know that we know a lot of the same people, and uh, and the people that we know, they're really cool people. You know, people that we both, I think, have a lot of respect for. So excited right. to dive into this. We probably speak a lot of the same language. Yeah, 100% agree. Michael Higdon, officially welcome to you, too. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys uh, having Yeah. So for those that... We, we are actually. So, uh, and if anybody wants to get a better sense of, of your background and kind of where you've come from, uh, you did a great real estate uncensored episode with, uh, with us back in, I think it was last year where you shared a, a little bit about your kind of probate prospecting process, which is one of the legs of your business. Uh, so that's a great, people can get some insight from you there on that. We probably won't delve into too far into that, but just, uh, for the level up audience, kind of catch people up on, uh, your production, kind of what your business is structured and looks like, and what your goal is for this year. Uh, my goal this year is 70 deals. I am in uh, the great city and state of Louisville, Kentucky. I've been uh, selling real estate for 15 years. I've been kind of stuck at that 50, 55 mark the last uh, couple of years. I was on a team for actually eight years um, with two older gentlemen that were in the business that were 15 years my senior. And great guys. I just realized that if I was going to grow it with my name and the way that I wanted to grow it, I had to you know, break back out of myself and have belief in myself to do that. So really, since 2016, been doing that and uh, just really want to take it from that, you know, 50 deal to 75 to even 100 deals. You know, I've written that as a goal, as a as a not even a stretch goal, but I know that I can do 100 deals. So that's kind of where I am. And, you know, with the help of great minds like Greg that, that's probably going to pick on me a little bit today. I hope <laughs> help me get to uh, to where I know I can be, and uh, you know, just get some pick his brain and find some insights on maybe where I'm missing a couple things and um, where I can can improve. Well, before we do that, kind of give people an indication of where where your business is coming from right now. Yeah, sure, sorry. Um, I do probably twenty fifty percent. I would say is from past client sphere of influence. Um, another twenty to twenty five percent is from um, probates, estates, maybe even up to 30%. So I've, I've got a really strong leg in doing the, uh, working with the state attorneys, directly with executors, probates. I've just really developed a nice system that helps me opt into that, which opens up some investment opportunities for investors I work with to bring them in and you know have, have buyers on that side. So probably you know, five, 10% buyers, and then just a mix of canceled, expired, for sale by owners, on the you know the other 20 to 25 percent 
Yeah, perfect. Because uh, that, that's the kind of where I want to start. Because there are people that are listening to this that are probably list, they're attracted to the idea of being an entrepreneur, but they're not even at your point where you're at, Michael, to where they've hit kind of that ceiling. And, and the ceiling that we're talking about is kind of the the ceiling of your own personal time, effort, energies. There's some mindset stuff potentially in there. There's all kinds of reasons why uh, you know people hit ceilings. Um, but Greg, I want to get your perspective on kind of where his business is at right now. Uh, and talk a little bit about just the mindset of prospecting and, and some of the other avenues that he can look to improve on just that part of it before we delve into some of the other stuff. Yeah, you, you know, I think the areas, Michael, you've got a lot of the areas covered. You know, now it's a matter of uh, it, the way I look at it is is it doesn't seem like you're avoiding any particular areas. Maybe for sale by owners, we need to put that on the list and, and make for sale by owners maybe a strength that you have. But the the way that I see it, when we list the pillars, I would say he's got the right pillars. Now we have to dive in and see, is he optimizing each one of those pillars? Look, for instance, centers of influence. How many people do you have on your centers of influence database? Uh, right at 550. Okay. And what's the population of Louisville? Uh, probably anywhere between 850 to 1,000, depending upon how you count the, I guess, the metro areas. Okay, 850 to a, uh, to a million, I'm sorry. To a million, 850,000 to a million. So obviously there's probably a lot of growth in the centers of influence database, right? From 550 to there's a million potential people that could be on that database. Now, of course, we're not going to have a database that large, but I want to put it in perspective is that, you know, when I look at a centers of influence database, I'm thinking, okay, I'm at 550, that's fantastic. But what is the goal? Where, where do you, what is the goal that you've set for yourself as to where that needs to be next week, two weeks from now, next quarter, next year? What is the ultimate goal? Like, is the ultimate goal to have 5,000 people into the centers of influence? Now, in order to say, some people could be listening and say, yeah, Greg, well, there's no way you're going to have 5,000 people that are centers of influence, meaning they're your friends or family members or past clients, et cetera. And I would agree to that. Now, the question, though, becomes, um, should we change our definition of a centers of influence? Should we expand that definition so it can incorporate a a larger number? Because most agents' definition of centers of influence actually has more influence on the size of their centers of influence database than anything else. In other words, their definition a lot of times limits the size of their database. So if it's just going to be friends and family members, then it's X X amount of people. Friends, family members, acquaintances, people at the other parents at the baseball field. Now all of a sudden that thing expands. And so what I would say is diving into each one of these pillars, looking at how, you know, how can I optimize? How can I build upon my centers of influence? And then how can I enhance the engagement that's back and forth between me and that particular database. Because having a larger centers of influence and having a higher degree of engagement with that higher or that larger centers of influence database could lead to a significant increase in your business. I mean, if you're at 50 deals, I mean, to grow your business by 20% is only adding 10 deals. I would think that we could add 10, 15, 20 deals just in the centers of influence and not have a discussion about another pillar. Now, all of a sudden, you could potentially be at 70. See, I believe that sometimes we overcomplicate this thing is we just need to go in and start looking at a few of these areas 
and saying, how can I optimize? Let's not add on something new yet. Let's go ahead and make sure that we're getting every little ounce of opportunity out of the things that we already have in our possession at the moment, which in this case, I chose centers of influence. Now you look at expires. I'm going to assume, Michael, and I think you mentioned this, there's probably not a lot of expires or withdrawals canceled on a daily basis. Is that correct? Probably an average of 10 to 15 a day right now at the, at the okay. most. Yeah. And then out of that, you probably only get numbers for, you know, a fraction of those, right? Or, exactly. Or maybe there's a few that you, you wouldn't even work because it's a $20,000 price tag. Or, you know, there's some things like your 10 to 15 is probably not net 10 to 15. It's probably netting. Eight. Yeah, and they're yeah. getting and they're getting pounded. We've got roughly forty eight hundred licensed realtors in our in our board. So they're yeah. So we look at this and we say, okay, how the heck can we optimize expires? Because we can't manufacture new expires like we can manufacture new centers of influence, right? You, it's it's a number that we don't control. Here's what a lot of real estate agents are missing, and I hope everybody that listens to this tries to prove me right or wrong, whichever way you like to do things. The best expireds are the 2013, 14, and 15 expireds. Mm-hmm. So the key is, is because there's been so much appreciation since they expired, nobody's going after them. And contrary to what most people, real estate agents might believe, a high percentage of those old expires have no clue that they can now get more than the overprice that they were trying to get a few years ago. So five-year-old expires are golden. So somebody that says, gosh, there's not a lot of expires, I, I, I have to say, I don't know about that. Because if I was to go into your MLS and look at the five years ago expired, find out the ones that never sold are not relisted, still available, have conversations with them. Now, all of a sudden, the contacts that you can make per day off expires shoot through the roof. Now you could make 15, 20 contacts just off of old expires plus the new ones. Now, here we go again. Now, we just talked about two categories. By doing that, could I add another 10 listings to my inventory over the next 12 months? Okay, now all of a sudden we get, say, 10 to 15 deals on centers of influence, 10 deals on just focusing on on old expires. We haven't really done anything new. We just are being a little bit better at, at, at what we're already doing. And now we got 25 deals. Somebody who's doing 50 deals and increases it by 25 just had a 50% increase. This stuff is actually not that hard. I love it. That's, that's exciting. That's great. Now, most people are going to go build their business by clicking on that thing that they just saw on Facebook, right? And it says, oh, here's some seller leads that you can get, and they're going to click that, and they're going to get a call, and they're going to hire somebody for $399 to, you know, to provide this Facebook service for them. And I actually believe that that's not a bad thing. I believe there's opportunity in those services, but I don't believe that if you want to break through, that those services provide the breakthrough. I believe that if you're going to break through, we actually do what we just said here. And then if you want to actually enhance that breakthrough and complement it with a few additional deals, then, yeah, you go sign on with one of those services. But we got to be clear that those service will, services will come and go out of our lives. They'll never be our core. Or I won't say never because we never know where the industry is going, but it's not likely to, to be our core. We keep optimizing the core and enhancing with those other services. 
And with where you are right now to get to 100 deals, I'm convinced that people can get to 100 deals without doing anything fancy. It's optimizing what you already have gets you to 100 deals. Now, once you get to, to, to the triple digit, now all of a sudden there's a lot of enhancing that starts to take place. Now we start adding 15 deals from this and 20 deals from that buyer's agent and so-and-so deals from this person. But I believe that's when you get to the 100 deals. Hmm. Okay. Greg, I want to go back to something you said earlier, uh, which is really interesting to me. Um, before I ask you the question, Greg, I want to get the the definition from you, Michael. What what do you consider? What's, what's the definition for who goes into your centers of influence? Who goes into my centers? Um, one, I, I know them. They may or may vaguely know me in some way, shape, or form, whether it's through Facebook or, like Greg said, through a soccer um, team, a parent, or something like that. Um, or, or we've had a conversation in the past in gotcha. some way, shape, or form. I'm not and, just going combing a neighborhood saying, hey, I just sold yeah, just pulling uh, you in know, a house here in Woodmont. I'm not putting the whole entire – database in uh, Woodmont into my, into my database. You know, I have to have some kind of interaction with them in some way, shape or form. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the difference. Cause Greg, I'm going to throw this out there and see if you agree yeah. with me. My, my impression from knowing you and talking to you is that you would define your database, not as people that you know, who vaguely know you, you would define your database probably more as the people who know you as in the people that you are communicating with and they know the name Greg Harrelson. You don't need to know everyone in your database. What counts is that they know you. Do I have that right? I think I think you, I've never heard anybody say it that way, but I think that's really good. Yeah, I think that there's something there to that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and with that, in order to pull that off, you must be an authority in your market. Right. You must be seen as an authority. So there are, you know, the weatherman, a lot of times is seen as an authority and he's seen as an authority by so many people that he does not have a clue who they are. He could mm -hmm. walk into a school and the kids go crazy. I mean, like, what do the kids know? They know that he's just the weatherman, right? But that's the key. He's the weatherman. And so, and so I think that I don't know how we would define it. The way that you put it is definitely going to make me think, but yes, I think you're right. Um, yeah. I wrote down here, you know, my goal is to take a stranger and convert them to an acquaintance and take an acquaintance and convert them to an advocate. And those advocates become my centers of influence. So sometimes uh, a centers of influence can start as a stranger. They may know me, but if I actually cross paths with them, they may be a stranger to me, but they would know who I was. And, you know, Michael, you talk about Infusionsoft. One of the things that I use is Infusionsoft in order to build authority in the eyes of that particular database. Now, I also like what Michael said. Michael said, I don't just put the whole, you know, community in there. And I think that's also correct. I don't think it starts with just dumping a bunch of email addresses and names into a database and say, okay, I'm going to work it this way. But if you just think about all the good conversations you had with people, that never panned out. The good conversation that you had with the buyer that decided they weren't going to buy, and then it becomes a, a dead lead and or a bad lead or just it's no longer a lead. There's so many conversations that we actually impressed somebody with the communication that we had. It never went anywhere. They were strangers. You know, Michael calls off of a off of a sign. We have a great conversation um, through one or two conversations. We realize that, you know, buying right now is not right for them. 
but you had an impression on them. That person is somebody that you may want to start looking at putting into the centers of influence. And then through nurturing that particular database, you become an authority in the eyes of that person. And then when you start going back and calling that database once a quarter, then we start to get the returns that Mike Ferry always said we're going to get, which is 10% of whatever your database is, 10%, you should get a 10% return. You know, the number of deals you you do will be 10% of the size of your database. But in order to have that occur, you have to be an authority. So we should get 10 deals per 100, but we have to be an authority in the eyes of that 100. And that 10 deals doesn't come from the 100 necessarily. It comes from the 100 directly and indirectly through the referrals of the 100, which they would only refer because we are now an authority in their eyes. So you build that database up. Like say next year, you should have a goal to have 1,500 to 2,000 people in that database. Then with that, you focus on, I'm going to call them once a quarter. You've been, I mean, I can give you an idea of how we do it. You may not do it exactly like this, but you call them once a quarter. You mail them once a month. You email them twice a month. You send them a quarterly report on what's going on in the market once a quarter via via mail. So one of your mailings would be a quarterly report for the entire Louisville real estate, um, you know, the Louisville real estate quarterly report. And you do a, an overall market report. So that's done quarterly. You, you, I know you've got real geeks. So you make sure that if there's 1,500 people in there, every single one of them are set up on a sold search if you've got sold data in Louisville. Do you have sold data in Kentucky? Oh, absolutely. Yes. You do? Okay. I know Jeff Manson says it's not every state. So then every one of those people should be in a sold search um, where every time something uh, sells or they get a, they basically get a CMA once a month automatically through Real Geeks, right? So you got that email going out. You could have one more email going out. You got one mailer going out. You've got um, a quarterly call going out. And then what you do is you could, you know, randomly just go ahead and, um, you know, Facebook message, um, you know, say, so divide that 1500 up into um, it, where you could say, okay, I want a Facebook message every one of these twice a year. And what would you Facebook message them? Hey, I don't know if you got my, my, uh, my biannual or my, uh, my semi-annual real estate report, but here's a link. And then all of a sudden you're just Facebooking them that link. Let me tell you right now, it will not take you long to become an authority if you do this. And now all of a sudden, now you've got more people coming to you referring to you and when you calling out to them you're going to get a better conversion again for those that are listening this is optimization this is that this is yes there's some creating here but it's a lot easier to create inside of a system that you're already working than to have to invent a new system so I think we leave too much money on the table by not optimizing the things that we already have half complete. Let's complete the circle now. That's so great. Really good stuff. I had just one question for you, Greg. Yeah. Kind of an intricate question that I asked Mike Ferry one time. You know, I've worked with, I know a lot of great agents like you and Bernie and uh, you know, Jeff Quinn, John Ames, big hitters like that. How do you, from a mindset standpoint, Look at those people like you that do a lot of deals and at the same time, you know, take a nugget from them, but realize I'm not them yet and, and, and kind of remain in your own space. 
but not get deterred because you're not at, in, in their place. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, um, please take this the right way. <laughs> I, 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 and this won't be about you, but it'll be about people's perception of me after I say it. Um, I can't imagine saying that I'm not at, at, at their place. And that is not about the guys that you mentioned, because they're all studs in my mind. Um, but just in, in, in my mind, I don't, I don't, it doesn't register that I, I'm not there yet. Like I can't do this because I'm not there yet. So, you know, it, 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 you know, with our relationship with somebody as, 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 as fantastic as Matthew Ferry, I think even Matthew said, would, would tell us both that you're not going to be there yet until you believe you're there yet. You're going to have to be- believe that you're already there in order to get there. There's nothing we're going to do or we're going to have that's actually going to get us there. It's going to be who we're being. So I think we need right. to go ahead and, and, and put on our we're already there thinking cap already. I don't know if that answered specifically, no, I, but kind of, I, mean, I, I think that's, that's, that's what, important. That's what I thought you were going to say. I just wanted okay. a vanilla type question. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, is there an example of, like, something that you feel like, gosh, I'm holding back on implementing blank because I don't feel like I'm there yet? Do you have anything in your mind that you could use in as an example? Just from a, you know, I mean, fear is such a, is, is a crippling thing. And, and yeah. you know, and, and Matthew and I had multiple conversations about this. Um, just believing you can do it, like you said, first, um, you know, I had a conversation with Matt, pushed me to get an assistant, did that last year, check, and, and amazed myself doing that. So I know I can do it. I just have to prove it to my own mind and myself from, you know, growing it to one buyer's agent or growing it to another admin or, or just the, you know, am I going to be able to support that person from a financial aspect or have them, you know, contribute to my business where we can really grow it? Um, I guess just probably fear is, is the one thing that holds me back sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think we're probably all of us have a, 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 a we fear fear. Right. Um, and some of us maybe are affected by it at a lesser degree than others. Um, just remember, the person who fails the most is going to actually achieve the most. And if you're somebody that wants to get it right before you actually take off, then that's something you may have to let go of. Like, like I'm the guy that gets in the boat and then I don't remember that the plug is not in the boat until one of my friends says, Hey, it looks like your boat's riding a little bit low. Like I'm that guy. And like I'm, I probably will make that mistake 10 times over. Don't even care. I, I, I go into my day knowing I'm probably going to screw up about 80% of the time. I'm only going to get it right about 20% of the time. I am going to screw it up. But what I'll do is I'll acknowledge it. I'll recognize it. I'll acknowledge it. And I'll change directions so fast that those screw ups don't have enough time to cost me money. And then when I, in the 20% of the time that I'm going to actually do well, I'll recognize it, I'll acknowledge it, and I'll let that dog run until we have drained it. So it's all about going ahead and put yourself out there, be willing to be vulnerable and make these mistakes, admit when you've made these mistakes, and put a stop to them. And then over time, all the learning that goes on through that process, now you're equipped to make good decisions. And when you see those good decisions, let them run. So I would think that I probably, if we were going to have a win-loss record about starting and stopping things or starting things that work, I'd say I'd have a terrible win-loss record. 
But when it comes to identifying a lot of things that work, because I'm working the numbers and I'm willing to go through the numbers game, I will get to so many things that do work. And then those will be the things that I let run for long periods of time. For somebody like you, I would love to like if if I was coaching you, which I always say I'm not a, a coach for anybody outside the companies. But if I was coaching you, I think one of the goals that I'd have is like see how many failures you could have during the week. And I would like love it. I'd be like, dude, what did you fail at? And I'm like, dude, that's not a failure. I bet you would come back to me within a week and what you would deem as a failure. I'd be like, dude, you're playing small on the failing game. Like that was such a small failure. Like nobody even reckoned. Like I want to see a failure that like your family looks at you and says, holy cow, I can't believe you did that. Like it's got to be one that somebody can recognize, not something that can hurt the family, but one that somebody would take notice so you can experience what it's like to go through the process of being vulnerable, failing, being proud about your failure, you're learning from your failure, and then knowing that it's a numbers game, you're going to actually hit a success. And when you do, you're going to fly to the moon. I love it. That, that's not the first time I've heard that either. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. I do need to take, take more risk and, and realize that it's not a risk, but em, embrace the embrace the fear, embrace the risk. Um, yes. Because what's the, what's the worst that could happen? You learn. Yeah, the worst thing you can happen is you learn. And 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 um. I, I won't say this because of you, but I surely will need to say this because of the audience. There's a big difference between taking a risk and being reckless. I am surely not advising being reckless and going in blind. I think, Michael, you're probably the type of person that, yes, if you expand and take a little bit more risk, you'll still be calculating your risk. You'll still go into it, maybe preparing even more because you know you're going to take a risk, so you'll probably prepare and research and get ready even more. So I'm confident that you probably won't be reckless, but there is a difference between being reckless and taking risks. Yeah, I'm more on the analytical side. The yeah. Analytical. I can see the way your tie's tied and your shirt's all the way up. I, that's why, by the way, for the audience, looking at his body language and his facial expressions had more to do with that. La that, that triggered more of my last conversation than anything he said. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Don't know what to say about that. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, I'll let me throw in, throw in a comment uh, here real quick because I'm I'm curious, Greg, if you would uh, agree that this is the way you look at things. Um, okay. My impression went when when I kind of step back and I look at the way that you evaluate businesses, whether it's a real estate agent business or a team or any business. Um, I, I think it's difficult for us when we're in it to kind of step back and look at the different mm -hmm. elements of our business as systems. Um, and so we think of it as this is the stuff that we do. You're able to come in from the outside. And I think that part of, part of the way that you've grown your successful business is because you have an ability to do it with your own business where most of us only can do this from the outside and look at somebody else's and yes. uh, do it when, when there's some like emotional distance. You, you, for whatever reason, you're able to do this with your own business. But here's my point. You, you look at you, so you, you analyze someone like Michael's business and you, and you kind of look at, okay, what are the pillars? And then you step back and you go, okay, so you've got a center of influence system. You got this wheel that's spinning. Mm -hmm. You've got this expired. That's a wheel that's spinning. You've got this probate thing. That's a wheel that's spinning. And you, you look at it and you, you look at the, the, the systems that are spinning, the wheels that are spinning in the business and you go, okay, how can I make the gear bigger? 
How can I make it turn more like you're so you, you look at each of those things as like systems that can be improved and optimized. I think when we're in the business, we have such a problem because it's, it's what we're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. And when we feel like yes. what we're doing isn't giving us the result that we want, we start to it, it goes to our identity very, very quickly sometimes. Yes. Uh, whereas you're able to look at it from the outside and you look at it as, oh, this is just a system. You're putting in some effort and out the other end of the system comes a result. If we want more results, we change the effort and we change the kind of the shape and the structure of the, the system and stuff like that. Uh, and that's one of the things that I think if, if the audience takes away anything is that we can do that. It's a certain mindset and it's, it's kind of doing what you do, Greg. It's, it's looking at each of these things as a system and just saying, hey, take take myself out of it. Take the emotional, the identity component out of it. What would somebody else do to optimize this thing that I'm doing? And you gave yeah. a great example with the center of influence, right? What can I do to, to make my center of influence bigger, right? Mm-hmm. Bigger center of influence, more deals, same, very simple equation, very simple question, but we get so wrapped up in the identity part of it that we can't like distance ourselves and just think of it in terms of systems. So um, yeah. I don't know if you would agree with that. Is that does that yeah, register I, with how you look at things? I, I do, and what I'm experiencing as I'm listening to you is I'm going back and in, in experiencing the time where um, I was introduced to something that probably influenced that part of my business the most. And it's um, mm-hmm. something I think is very worthy of, of having a conversation. Um, Mike Ferry had, uh, I don't know if it was at an, it was, he used to have this group called M3. This is really years, years and years ago. And some, myself and some good friends were you know, in M3. And he brought in Brian Tracy one time. And Brian Tracy gave us this one strategy. I can't remember what it was called, but I know the, the rules of the game. Um, what we had to do, and, and I ended up adopting this and doing it uh, four times a week for like 90 straight uh, or for say, yeah, about for about three straight months. I had to go in with a notepad and I had to write down one specific question. Okay, and I would have 30 minutes. This would be what I called it is in my schedule was called 30 minutes of creative thinking time. So I do this four times a week. Okay, and I would go in with a notepad and I'd write one thing down, like how can I get more deals from my centers of influence? I just it would be a question like that. And every day I had to have another question. What I had what I figured out, though, is like in the first week I figured out I can't waste any time going in there without a question. So I spent one of the sessions in the beginning writing down what questions should I be asking myself during my creative thinking time. And I just wrote (laughs) down all this list for 30 minutes of questions and questions and questions. So then I would choose one of those and then I'd go into my 30 minute creative thinking uh, uh, session and I had to actually write down 20 ideas for every question. So creative session is today. I had to go in there. How can I get more deals from centers of influence? And I have to come up with 20 deals. Now, here's what was interesting. The first five deal, the first five ideas were so easy because those were all the ideas that I've already been talking about. They're all like right here in the front of my mind. They're like, I've already said I should do these things. So I'd always like, oh yeah, I should do this and I should do this. The first five deals I'd write down would be easy. And they always are the stuff that I'm never going to freaking do. This is stuff that I already knew. And then all of a sudden, the, the next five, six, seven ideas, it was a little bit tougher because now I'm having to think. I just, I just like took all the easy shots. Now I've got to sit here and like think a little bit. The last five ideas were always the ones 
that I had never thought of because I hadn't ever spent that much focused time on that one question. So the first five can't throw them out. You're not going to do them because you already knew about them. The second five or 10, they're probably fairly decent. The last five, there could be golden nuggets because you've never went that deep in thought in that particular um, question or, or, or conversation. Then I would have to look at all 20 ideas and then I would circle one. So you got 20 ideas four times a week. So we're going to say that's 80 ideas. And then we're going to say 12 weeks. So whatever 12 times 80 is, you can figure that out um, on your own because it's a lot. It's probably what? Almost a thousand okay. ideas that I had just actually thought through on 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 however many however many subjects or questions that would have been. So what I've done here is I've trained my mind to think deep on one focused conversation, centers of influence, growing my number of deals on centers of influence. So when I left the session, I had to then circle one that I would implement. So in order to implement that many, what you had to do was choose the one you could implement the easiest and the fastest. And what I grew to is not only does it have to be easy, fast, it has to be delegatable. Because the volume of things I was saying that I was going to implement, I could not do it on my own. So I went easy and fast and delegatable. What most people do is they choose the one that could like, if I do this, I'll add a 100 deals. No, I chose the one, if I do this, it'll add five deals. It, because I could walk out the room, I could explain to my assistant, she could delegate it, and I just added five more deals, and all I spent was 30 minutes plus 10 minutes talking to her. The one that would have been added 100 deals, I would have had to spend six months, and I probably would have quit, changed my mind, or got distracted by some other deal, and never executed it. So we always talk about executing these things. We never execute. So I was like, how about let me take it into bite-sized chunks? And then tomorrow, I'll do the same thing. And then it'll be easy, fast, and delegatable. And then next thing you know, four things were being executed or implemented a week times 12. That's 48 new things. If they all just brought me in a year four deals, that was a tremendous breakthrough. And I wasn't overwhelmed. I wasn't like stressed about I've got this project and this project. I mean, it would be simple things of, gosh, I just need to have my assistant do this. And then I have the assistant do that. How can you I improve the customer service of my listing, active listings? Then I'd go write down 20 ideas. Well, 20 of those very rarely would any of those ideas that I'd want to execute. I would have to actually be the one executing them. So I became a thinker. And I thought in like chunks of content. I thought in like very specific areas. Didn't think too broad. Like how could I build a great real estate company? No, 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 that, that wasn't for creative thinking time. How could I increase the number of contacts I make with expired, expired listings? Well, I could call them breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I could call them at eight and 12 and, 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 and four. Tomorrow, I could upload them into a dialer and multi-dial them. I could call them on Saturdays. I could have my assistant do this. I could do this. I'd come up with these ideas, circle one, boom, next. And then by tomorrow, it's already implemented, and I'm already off to, now let's talk about centers of influence. Hmm. So that's where, that when, when we talk about systematizing, 
I think it really started being developed back then when I was doing creative thinking because I was already thinking and I would, I called it delegating, but delegating became part of my system. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're using delegation as the tool to tweak and improve the systems. Yes. So that it actually got done. <laughs> it actually got done. And, yeah. and so some people would argue, yeah, but that's not going to be that big deal, a big deal. Yeah, I know. It's the tortoise and the hare, baby. The tortoise mm. will win. <laughs> tortoise yeah. is going to win. Mm. Not about being fast. It's about being consistent. 100%. Um, that was a lot. So, Michael, I want to give you some space here in the last few minutes that we have left. Is there any uh, final questions, anything that's been on your mind over the over the last few minutes that you wanted to ask to close us out? Greg, Greg talks more. If he talked on commission, he talks more before 9 a.m. than most people talk all day. That's a, um, <laughs> oh, just I mean, I know from being Mike Ferry trained that, you know, there's yeah. no magic pills. And I think. I know most of the times I'm doing the right things. It's those small tweaks. And more for me, I know that it's it's belief in myself that I can do this. And, you know, still working on that. And, you know, not to get into my past a lot, but I was brought up to saying you can't do that. You can't yeah. do that. So it's getting over a lot of that to know. If I've heard it once, I've heard it many times. People believe in me more than I believe myself. So that's what I have to work on. And it's a lot of the things that Greg told me I can really – really take and continue to use. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, let's close out with this. Uh, so Michael, first of all, where do people uh, reach out, connect with you and uh, where can they keep you in mind for referrals? Sure. I'm at uh, Remax Properties East here in Louisville, Kentucky. My email is michael at michaelhigdon.com and cell phone is 502-345-7698. All right. And everybody feel free to text him and ask him how many times a day he's calling expired. Is it three, five, seven? Um. <laughs> <laughs> old expires, everybody. Old expires. Old expires. Yeah, yeah old that's, expires. A, that's a huge nugget. Yeah, a huge nugget there. Um, and then, Greg, what's the best way to reach out and connect with you? Easy. Keep it simple. Just go to Facebook and message me. The, it's the, the most simplest way to do it, and I can be the most responsive if you actually do it that way. Awesome. All right, guys. And then for the show itself, you can go to the leveluppodcast.com. You can look us up on iTunes, Stitcher, your favorite podcast app. Regardless of where you find it, uh, you will find it and uh, make sure to subscribe to the show. Uh, we'd love it if you leave a rating and review and especially call out Michael and thank him for being on the show. Make sure you give him props uh, in your review. Publicly thank him for uh, contributing his time, effort, and energy to coming onto the show. Uh, and just, guys, we really appreciate it. We, we The show continues to grow and you guys continue to share it. You tell your fellow agents about it. You tell your brokers about it, uh, which we really, really appreciate. So I just want to publicly thank everyone for doing that. Uh, we are live pretty much every Wednesday here, right at the same time, 10 Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. So make sure that you keep track of us here. Uh, you can get us in the lead gen, description objections group most of the time. Uh, you'll see us on the Level Up Facebook page, my, my personal Facebook page. So you can follow us any of those places and see the live broadcast. You can actually get your questions answered live. So with all that being said, Michael, Greg, thank you so much, guys. This has been a yeah. blast. We really thank appreciate you, it. Greg, thank yeah. you so much. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Same to you. All right. Take care, guys. We'll see you on the next episode.